Hey everybody, so unfortunately this episode had some audio troubles and uh, it's gonna sound, admittedly, a little rough. As well, we had to cut out our last segment on pandemic gaming, so that was a complete bummer. But the rest of the show, I think, was salvageable enough to post, so without further ado, here is your semi-regular episode of the Angry Sun Zone. Hello, and welcome to the Angry Sun Zone. Today, we're going to be talking about the good, the bad, and the ugly. Get your halos out, because we're going to be talking about the campaign in Halo, we're also going to be talking about the various monsters in Monster Rancher and all things Monster Rancher. And uh, as well, we're going to talk about games that you can play to ease your lockdown woes if you're like us Canadian folk and uh, stuck in an increasingly uh, secure set of rules and laws. Yeah. Stop the spread, people. Wash your hands. Vigorously, before touching your controller. You don't want to get that control ar- controller all greasy, do you? Don't spill any Mountain Dew on it, either. You don't want to make it a COVID roller. <laughs> <laughs> Without further ado, let's kick off. Alright, uh, I'm Senato. And I'm Sean. And I'm Alex. Yeah, so... uh for the last couple weeks, I have been religiously playing a game that I didn't think I was going to play this year uh, until I saw that it was announced uh, a few months ago. And when I say religiously, I mean it's been two weeks and I've put 60 hours into it already. Amazing. Uh, so, Monster Rancher 1 plus 2 DX. Uh, if you've listened to earlier podcasts, you might know that Monster Rancher 2 is one of my favorite games ever and they the 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 madmen over at koei tecmo decided to re-release it uh they first released it in japan as a mobile port but they decided to bring it over stateside and put it out on pc and switch and it's been really crazy because when I played the game originally as a kid, like nobody I knew knew about the game at all. Uh, so it was kind of like this one insular th- thing that I was like engaging with. I went on a couple like websites online to look up stuff and found, you know, a tiny community around it, but it wasn't like something that I ever thought of as popular. But now in the age of, you know, discords and whatnot, uh, I've found and read it. Like, I found, like, there's actually, you know, a, what seems like a decently sized community of people that play Monster Rancher games. And it's been awesome to, you know, connect with people, talk about the game. Uh, we streamed a bit of it the other day and we got raided by uh, some other Monster Rancher streamers, and that was crazy. I think we got, yeah, uh, we got raided by one of the people who started a raid, brought 25 people, and he's like the admin of a forum and no, Discord. It, 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 it wasn't that guy. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, shout out to uh, Chismeister and Macho Cheese for raiding their stream. <laughs> I love, okay, Macho Cheese, if you're listening, amazing name. Fantastic. Uh,. Good get on on Twitch with that one, uh, and yeah, so it was it was super cool to you know be playing this game that I have so much reverence for, so much nostalgia for, and actually having people to talk to about it. Um, as far as the game itself, uh, it's pretty much a straight re-release. They didn't do all that much to it. They did a little bit of rebalancing, a couple bug fixes one or two quality of life things, uh, but they didn't do nearly as much as they could have to bring this game to the modern era, for yeah. sure. I mean, it still looks and plays like a PS1 game. Yeah. <laughs> for 
better or worse. I mean, like I suppose it's something like I, I love the look of the game. Honestly. Some people, some people I imagine are uh, like, yeah, if you played it originally, then probably you're like, oh yeah, you know, nostalgia for this this PS One aesthetic. But then, see, I never played them, and I'm kind of like, oh man, we've got like some serious uh, graphical glitches like all the time, and I'm like, I, it's still kind of charming to me because I still grew up playing games in that era. But I imagine that the younger crowd is less enthused, <laughs> <laughs> perhaps. But like the look of the game has always been awesome. Like all the different monsters have different, you know, color schemes and variations on their model based on what uh, their main breed is and what their subbreed is. And all the monsters have a ton of personality to them in a way that like Pokemon and Digimon never really had. Cuz like in in the in yeah, like the Pokemon monsters... Digimon games, they they're just they're just like a you know, static sprites that convey like stats and stuff and yeah. moves and stuff. The uh and also, like, each monster feels a bit more unique because of the generation process and the mm -hmm. fact that there's so many different, you know, designs for the various monsters as well. Like, it's it feels a bit more like you're making the monster your own than it does with the Pokemon games. Yeah. Like, the most that I make a Pokemon my own is giving it a weird nickname. <laughs> but... Yeah, or uh, maybe, or maybe, like... Uh, giving it like weird moves that it wouldn't usually have through some strange breeding or something oh, like that. In, in Diamond and Pearl, I believe they let you uh, custom put like custom animations when the Pokemon came out of its ball, and I like spent way too much time doing that and like putting different yeah. like stickers and stuff and making them all themed yeah, for the, I, my, my main team. I, you know, I, I I do remember that. Yeah, I think they had the same thing in Heart Gold. Perhaps, yeah, yeah. Since that was essentially the same engine. Yeah, as Diamond Pearl, I believe. Yeah, that was that was awesome. But yeah, like so much personality. Just like the monsters have, like you know, a bunch of different animations for when they're happy, when they're sad, when they're like overjoyed that they want a tournament and stuff, and all these different, like sometimes fairly in-depth animations for all the attacks that they use. It's not just you know, again, Pokemon. As much as I love those games, it's like the sprite they throw out another sprite. And everything's kind of interchanged between Pokemon. Every po every water Pokemon can learn Surf, right? Yeah. You know, the thing is that Monster Rancher, on I think on the surface it seems similar, but it's actually a very different game. Um, mm -hmm. Like, yeah, you both in both of them you can collect monsters and you know battle them, but it's very different because Pokemon's really basically a JRPG, whereas yeah. Monster Rancher is. I don't even know how to categorize it. It's not quite like many other breeding games, slash simulation. Games. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> to use very old genre definitions. Yeah, it's a it's it's a bit of a it's a bit of a different thing. It's a it's a different breed. Yeah, yeah. It's not <laughs> an RPG. Oh like God. even though your monsters level up and and learn different moves and stuff like i wouldn't i don't like it doesn't feel like an rpg yeah you're not really playing any roles <laughs> yeah and there isn't much of a story really not in this one uh monster Hunter 4 has a story and that i don't know i don't See, know if i want to just go into just like my diatribe about the uh history of monster Hunter and all the games and stuff but yeah yeah let, let's just keep it to uh the re-release for now um yeah, so this was a re-release of the first game and the second game. I haven't actually touched the first game yet, and I feel like I'm doing things a disservice because I don't know if I'm going to at all. Because Monster Master 2 is like such a more in-depth game. There's a lot more going on to it. The first game is uh, simpler. It's still great, and for people that are interested in Monster Master, I think the first game is actually the best starting off point in the series to play. Uh, it really sets the foundation on what those games are in a way that later games can be a bit annoying. Like, for example, in Monster Rancher 2, when we tried generating monsters the first time, when we didn't have any unlocked, it was a huge hassle. We just couldn't get anything. Yeah. 
Whereas in uh, the first Monster Master game, there's a lot less monsters to unlock. And so chances are you're going to put stuff in and most of the time you're going to get actual monsters from it. And one thing that I do need to bring up, though, is that they did have to make one very major change to these games, and that's how you generate the monsters. And I think they came up with actually a really awesome solution, considering yeah. the problem that they had to solve. Because in the original games, you put physical CDs into your PlayStation and generated monsters off of those. And that's awesome and was like you know, super cool. Yeah, just like again, Honestly, hours sitting in front of on the floor in front of my PlayStation. Yeah, I never really played the games much myself, but I do have some fond memories of just generating monsters using silly discs, audio or DVDs mm-hmm. or whatever, and uh, that that was a lot of fun. Like totally. that that's such a cool that's such a cool concept, yeah, and I, I love like a video game. Yeah, I love it when video, I love it when a video game manages to have some sort of like interaction with other physical objects yeah um, like linking physical things to your digital experiences is something that i love like there's so many games that i associate just various things with like music i was listening to at the time or like anything like i associate sour watermelon slices with x-men legend for the gamecube <laughs> really? yeah that's just like a, uh, a a link that i have because i was really into eating sour watermelon slices at the time i was playing through that game yeah like i associate with toblerone with Total really Crossing because i got them both at christmas yeah i I, awesome. I distinctly remember that i brought over either x-men legends or x-men legends 2 or maybe both and we just like beat the whole game in like a a, a night <laughs> <laughs> I think we also just like played through almost the entirety of Marvel Ultimate Alliance the same way. <laughs> yeah, probably. I think I might have been on the in on that on the. You were. It's on, it's on the shelf yeah. over there. Yeah, right now. That, yeah, you you were the one that bought that one. Yeah. Classic game. Yeah. But so the they obviously couldn't do CD generation anymore because a physical media is dead and b they release this on the Switch. Uh, and, you know, mobile ports. I, I, I have yet to see a phone with a CD tray on it. That would be impressive. Yeah. I wonder if there is such a thing from, from like, the annals of history of some absolute mad manufacturer that's like, nah, man, we're going to take our brick, our 80s brick phone or our 90s brick phone, just put a CD tray in. The most I could see is maybe a phone with a mini disc slot. But CDs are big, and they're, like, proud. So, I, I don't understand how you could put that in your pocket. No, 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 think about it. It's one of those car phones, right? A car oh, no. phone with a CD tray. Why, why, does, why doesn't your car just have the CD tray? <laughs> but yeah, so the solution they came up with was to have a database of CDs, where you can search up the album by artist and just find hundreds of thousands of albums. I think they said that they have 600,000 albums in the database, as well as, you know, old PS1 games and stuff. So that is a great solution because it lets you just, like, easily look up stuff. It lets you just look up... There's a random button, too, if you want. Uh, It makes it so that you're not limited by the physical CDs that you have because there were certain monsters that I never raised in those older games, because I just couldn't generate them if, yeah. if I didn't have the CDs. So yeah, like, when I played this game, I was, like, 10, so I didn't have a music taste at the time. I had to, you know, just rifle around my brother's CD collection. But now I'm an adult, I have I have an actual music taste. You have, I have music taste, but no CDs. Yeah, but I've got, you know, a ton of different albums that I love that it's awesome to be able to generate monsters off of them and just, you know, make make those links in my head for all these fun little guys that were that were taken around. And sometimes you just get very silly things that are amusing. Like one of my favorites that we've generated so far is there's a there's a song called Diggy Diggy Hole. A Diggy Diggy Hole is a, a dwarven mining power metal song. <laughs> uh, and we put that song in, and it generated what looks like a block of dirt. Yeah, 
like absolutely perfect. Oh my God. <laughs> that's amazing. But like that's obviously like it's random. They like the it's very unlikely that they programmed that in, especially because it's kind of a yeah. niche song, right? The original set of rare monsters that are in the game, uh, there's like one to three rare subbreeds of mo- monsters that are like really crazy looking and usually have like bonus stats or very different stats or bonus techniques. Uh, those were all like programmed in. Like for example, if you put in Dead or Alive, the you know fighting game, you get uh, Kasumi from that because that was also a game that was made by Tecmo. If you put in uh, Legend by Bob Marley and the Whalers, you get a reggae plant. Nice. That's perfect, right? Oh my God. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's been awesome to uh, yeah, just just revisit this game in a in a wider sense. Um, there's still like a ton of problems with the game. I think like the again they I they could have done a lot more to this game when they uh, re-released it to just make things a bit smoother there's some quality of life features that i wish they added like you need to do certain attacks a certain number of times in battle to unlock uh more attacks for your monster but there's no like indicator that shows you how many times you've used the attack for example that'd be an awesome thing to see uh and just some more information about the status of your monster because there's a lot of hidden hidden variables that are only shown to you as, like, a word that's, you know, it's a range between, it might be a range between, like, the number 0 or the number 50, you don't know. And there's some other things that just make the game really difficult for new players who don't know the, all the various finicky things about the game. But, yeah, it's really, really awesome, and if you're interested in uh, if you're interested in the game, uh, I would strongly suggest picking up this uh, this collection and playing around. It's got it's got a lot of online features now too, so you can battle online. Obviously, you can do that in the original game unless you bought a Dex drive and uploaded your memory card to the internet <laughs> for people to run tournaments, which I never was able to do because I didn't have a Dex drive. But that sounded like some of the coolest shit. Yeah. And yeah, so like there, there's even people organizing tournaments now with different requirements. Like there's one that I enter that you know you enter in a monster that has a stat cap composite stat cap of no higher than 3,500. And there's another one where you need to enter in a monster that has like roughly 300 in every stat. And so people are organizing these cool little tournaments and streaming them, and it's really awesome to see the community. Uh, lively and connected. Yeah. yeah, sounds sounds really cool. And uh, yeah, it's it's cool what they did to try and bring as much of the original music generate music CD generating experience uh, into a platform that doesn't have CDs. <laughs> uh, although, uh, speaking of CDs, although I did not find a phone that had a disk drive, I did find a phone that can be put into a disk drive. What? <laughs> they sell they sell phone holders for cars where the phone holder is supported by being inside a CD drive. Oh my god. It sounds like a very Help stupid me. design, frankly, but it's it, scary. It does exist. You can put your phone into a disk drive kind of. <laughs> That's insane. That's so, that, you know, Do they make a cup holder that you can put into your CD drive too now? Ooh. Uh, that feels like it would snap immediately. <laughs> okay, so I, I I tried searching for that, and I just got pictures of people putting their cups in uh, their computer tower CD drive. Also good. <laughs> Which is also, yeah. Yeah, speaking of CD drives, like, I bought a portable uh, DVD drive just so that I could emulate Monster Rancher on my PC and and play it on there wow, and actually nice. generate this from it. Nice. Because sp- otherwise, I have to go around trying to like find freaking like ISO files to to use, and those are big. Yeah, 
I mean, I still I still have a CD drive in my tower, although I literally haven't used it in probably five years. I would be shocked if that thing even opened when you press the button at this point. Oh, I know it opens because I've accidentally hit the button and uh, opened it <laughs> from time to time. <laughs> the, the 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 whine of the gears. Well, it's kind of <laughs> annoying actually because my computer tower has a door. And oh. the CD drive is behind the door, so if I accidentally hit the button to open it, it like, yeah, it's it, open like a cuckoo clock. No, it gets stuck. It gets stuck on the door, and then I have to open the door, and then the tray comes out, and then I gotta close oh. the tray, and then close the door again. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, how do you hit, just accidentally hit the button if it's behind a door? Um, that's a good question. <laughs> I maybe it's cosmic rays. I don't know. Oh god, damn it. Pass-through feature. <laughs> oh, no. Speaking of uh, cosmic rays... Uh, yeah, there's going to be a lot of cosmic rays uh, bombarding uh, the Halo in Halo Infinite. <laughs> which you can explore in Halo Infinite's campaign. Endlessly. Yeah, yeah that finally came out. Um, not endlessly. You cannot, in fact, traverse... I, I was talking with Santo about this. I really, I really wish that a Halo campaign would have a map uh, that like is a ring that you can go fully around a ring in. That would be, it would be stupid, but I love it. I I really love to see that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But the the map in Halo is not. It does not wrap around. It is not infinite. It is not infinite. <laughs> no. Actually, uh, but minor spoiler in that uh, you would know this if you probably even looked at the box art and it happens immediately. But the Halo is broken. Uh, the Halo is damaged in the campaign. And so that's, so even no, you can't, you can't go all the way around it. It broke too bad. You need a flying warthog. If you want to do that. <laughs> yes. You need the, you need the flying warthog from back to the future. No, from, from cursed halo. From Yeah. From cursed halo, but inspired by back to the future. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, I've, I've been playing campaign. Uh, I haven't completely finished it yet, but I'm in the latter half of the campaign where there's, uh, I won't spoil too much, but there's uh, sort of got two sections, so to speak. And overall, uh, I like it. It's definitely, it definitely feels, it definitely feels like a Halo campaign. Although I will say that it's an open world-ish kind of thing, which is substantially different from the older campaigns. Uh it's still linear in the sense that the missions are linear, that like there's a sequence of missions that you complete, uh, but there's a lot of side stuff of just finding areas on the map and uh, essentially taking them over. Uh, it's got a bit of this, it's got a bit of this, it's almost like what some other fantasy RPGs have done where there's factions and you sort of take things over for your faction, so to speak, uh, because okay. there's essentially strongholds that begin as uh, an enemy stronghold and then you take them over. And then once you take over a stronghold, you can usually uh, you get like your fast travel options open up that way. And if you take over enough of them, you unlock new stuff that you can drop in. Like the points I'm at in the campaign, like I can spawn, I can spawn a tank if I want, just whenever. Okay. Um, and even, even in the middle of battle. No. Okay. At, at any fast travel location. Right. And you know you can so you can as you progress through the campaign you can spawn guns you can spawn vehicles and uh, you know there's like weapon variants even uh, like. The there's actually a variant rocket launcher that you can unlock where the rocket launcher tracks, oh, and yeah. so it's extremely deadly. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's you know it, it requires you to do a lot of side quests essentially to unlock it. Do they make it clear that you're on the path to unlocking those kinds of things, or is it a surprise and you just happen to find out by? No, you there, there's there's if you if you go into the menus, it shows you the progression of unlocks and it shows you how many sort of uh, liberation points or whatever they call them you need to unlock uh, certain things, those weapons, vehicles, uh, soldier types, because there are NPC soldiers as well. 
uh, that you can have help you, as all Halo games have had yeah. in the campaign, right? Like, you are a super soldier, but there's regular soldiers, too. Yeah. Um, they're fairly useless, as usual. Um, unless you fill up an entire Razorback with them, and you have <laughs> five of them with a bunch of, like, of, uh, nice weapons, and you just roll into the enemy base, and it's hilarious. Um, but what I will say is that I'm not sure if I really like it, because for me, at least, when I'm... Two five minutes earlier. Yeah, I played the Halo campaign. I like it. I like it, no, but like, I like it, but, okay, so it's weird, right? It's weird, because there's parts of it where, like, especially on certain missions, where it's very much like a traditional Halo campaign level, mm-hmm. and then there's the overworld part. Yeah. And honestly, the overworld part is, I, I've been finding it, like, it's kind of tedious, and I've had to intentionally, I've had to intentionally stop myself from just trying to collect everything. Because I have this inclination that, like, oh, I want to collect all the various things. But uh, a lot of the various collection things on the overworld, they're just kind of tedious and boring. It's basically just... Fetch quests? It's ba- well, it's not even fetch quests. You're, you're basically just bumbling around trying to run in, into something. And then when you run into something, like the hidden stuff, it's just kind of like, oh, I found this thing by accident. And now I press E on it, or I just shoot my weapon at it a couple of times, and then now I've completed the thing. Like, it's not very it's not very satisfying to actually do. Um, now, the strongholds, those are a bit more fun, because a lot of the optional sort of stronghold things are actual, like, bases that you kind of have to clear out mm-hmm. of enemies. And so those are, those are more fun. Um... But I definitely feel like some of them are, they don't feel as fun as the campaign levels that are a bit more structured. That's the thing about Halo, is that the campaign in Halo has always been one of these things that's sort of made in a way where, like, especially like the Bungie ones, Mm -hmm. uh, like they're, they're very intentional in their layouts of the levels and they're laid out in a way that there's different strategies you can use right you can like try to be sneaky and sneak up on the enemy and take them out uh by isolating them uh or you can go in guns blazing if you have like a rocket launcher or some stronger weapons or you know you can like do some vehicles and like you can still do that but it just feels a little bit more i don't know it's just it it's kind of samey and a lot of the a lot of the strongholds that you take over that are the side quest ones feel kind of uninspired mm-hmm. visually they look great though um that's one thing i'm actually very happy about with the campaign is that it looks really good um like the art direction they i think they did a good job with you know keeping the sort of aesthetic of halo with these like kind of kind of like metallic, like brutalist, uh, metal and concrete brutalist structures that like are visually really interesting and um, they're not completely overdone. Like uh, with with the remaster of Halo 1, mm-hmm. uh, they they made some really bad choices on that remaster. Oh yeah? Yeah, I've, I've watched, I haven't actually played it, but I've watched, I've, I've watched footage from it and like there's areas in that game where they were very moody, dark areas where that contributed to the, like just the, the like the atmosphere yeah. of the game, and they ruined them because they, it doesn't have like a moody atmosphere anymore, and like why would you do that, right? Like yeah, why it's... would you take this area that's like dark and you need to use a flashlight and you can't really see very much and there's enemies dead that you didn't kill and you're like what's going on here right Mm -hmm. like that's such a that's such a like it's such a break from what was happening before that it's 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 unsettling right uh in a way that supports the 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 theme of where the story is at that point and they totally ruined that in the remaster um and although halo infinite definitely has a lot of uh brighter 
mirrors and sort of complicated uh, lighting and fog effects, uh, they mostly they mostly support they mostly do support uh, the atmosphere that it's trying to create. Right. I don't think it's as like frankly like I think that a a well done version of like the Halo One campaign would be better, but they did a bad job remastering it. Um, <laughs> So, like, the atmosphere is not as good as, say, like, Halo 1, which, in my opinion, is just still my favorite of the campaigns. But it's still better than I might have expected, based on some of the other mistakes they made with the multiplayer. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Um, I I haven't played the campaign yet, and from what you're... It sounds like you're saying about it, it's kind of, like cements my fears that I had with the whole thing, which is that if you may, whenever you add something to a game, there's going to be pros and cons to that. So you, you add, okay, you added open worldness to the Halo campaign. Uh, what did it add versus what did it subtract? And which, which one of those columns is, you know, outweighs the other? Yeah. See, right. I think like the inter- I there's parts of it I find really interesting though. Um, because you know, if I if you think of like about some of the older Halo campaigns, it kind of makes uh, it, it makes sense that the whole ring would just be a massive world where you could go and like go back and forth between the areas you visited. Like that makes sense, but and it's kind of cool sometimes, but for the most part, it doesn't support like the open worldness. It doesn't support the pacing of the story at all. Yeah. Basically, that's like that's my biggest problem with it is that in Halo, they are able to set mood and they're able to set the atmosphere and the pacing of, of the campaign and the story and like have these action sequences and like, you know, periods where that are more relaxed. And it's all very intentional. And in fact, like I've listened to um, a lot of the older Bungie development um, uh, interviews where they were talking oh, yeah. about their development of the Halo campaign. And one of the things about uh, Bungie when they were in charge of Halo is that they spent a lot of time with uh, basically involving their developers in the QA. Right. And yeah, they yeah. they were very they were very intentional about iterating their levels a lot in response to feedback from people who are playing the game for the first time in order to make it flow well. And in fact, one of the reasons why a lot of the older Halo campaigns feel open, uh, but you don't get lost, is because they really just nailed uh, that style of iteratively working their level design. And it's one of those things that, like, it's really obvious on what to do. Uh, just involve developers in, in the process of getting feedback from new players and getting new testers, like, constantly throughout your development period so that the testers don't get like used to the level design and just able to interpret bad level design because they've played the same level too much. Mm-hmm. Um, these are all very, like, they're not, they're simple, but difficult to pull off. Oh, yeah, of course. And Bungie actually did a really good job, and that's why the Halo campaigns feel so good. That's why they feel open without uh, having the player get lost. It's why, you, because you are guided in the right direction. And, you know, they added a lot of subtle things like uh, even things that you wouldn't even notice necessarily. Like I remember one thing in the early Halo games that they were uh, that they used was a lot of one-way ledges, like a ledge that you could only fall down but you couldn't get back up. And it's mm-hmm. a subtle thing that the player mostly doesn't even notice. Uh, but it is an incredibly powerful tool for guiding the player in the correct direction without making them feel forced. It makes the, it lets, it's one of those, and there's other things like this in terms of the aesthetic design of those areas as well, that it makes you feel like, oh, this is the direction I should go. And, but it makes you feel like you decided that instead of making it seem like you're just forced down like the only route. Um, and that's that's a bit that's a big challenge in in level design for a, a single player story of a shooter is like making it feel like you could explore anywhere, but you're actually going the correct direction at all times. Yeah. And well, I think that that's one of the things that this campaign just it doesn't have that. 
Although mm-hmm. I, some of the missions have that. Some of the mission levels have that, but they don't, but the open world section just doesn't. The open world section just has waypoint markers that you set on a map. Yeah. Which is like, it's fine. And I guess I just, I just don't think that the open world aspect of it adds as much to it as it might add in other games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's this concept in my mind that the earlier Halo games, you know, like you're saying, it's 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 linear in a way that makes you feel when you're moving forward as though the story is moving forward. With open world, I think the fact that you literally can go in all direction makes the first word that comes into my mind is like radial. And then unless you clearly have defined where you're going next, it really does seem very easy to get lost. It's almost like that. The mental image, you know, in my mind is, is it's almost like Halo's traditional radar system. You know, it's not that, and, and this is the thing with the campaign in the overworld. It's not that you get lost because you can bring up a map anytime and you can set waypoints and they're on the HUD and everything. So it's not that you're lost. It's just that most of the, most of the side quests just feel kind of meaningless. That's the problem yeah, that I have with it. Is that yeah. I'm 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 doing this additional side quest stuff just to do it, not because it makes sense for me to be doing it. And it's really odd when uh, you know you're at this point in the campaign, say, where uh, there's like you're in this area that's like behind enemy lines, and you're sort of um, trying to escape after having a, a bad story beat where you're in danger and yet you could just totally forget about that and go screw off and yeah. do random stuff. That's, and that makes no sense. Yeah, that's the thing with open world games is that you can't have a tightly controlled narrative in an open world game. You just can't. You can never give the player a sense of urgency and also let them explore the open world at yeah. the same time. Yeah, it's just very can't. it's very odd for the campaign to be a- attempting to create a sense of urgency when it just isn't urgent from a gameplay perspective at all. Ludo narrative dissonance, yeah. I believe, is what they call that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, that sounds that sounds yeah. Funny. It's basically a concept where you know the storytelling of the game of a game and the gameplay of a game are completely at odds with each other. Like it, this was brought up a lot around the uh, Tomb Raider remake, where Laura Croft is just like gunning down like dozens of people. But then the, I, there's, I think there's a sequence where like she needs to like hunt a deer for food or like just to like get some like skin for like some clothing or whatever. And she's just like, feels like super, you know, remorseful about doing it. And it's like, doesn't really want to do it at all. It's just like, you know, you did just kill 36 people back there. It's a deer. <laughs> It's just like it, it's just like yeah. That also like that just kind of sounds out of place in a two yeah, like, yeah, you killed a bunch of people from self defense, and now you have to kill something, you know, for your survival, basically. And it's just like oh, that's a bit odd. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, overall, uh, one thing I will say about the campaign, though, is like again, mechanically, the campaign's great. Uh, I actually really like uh the the way that they've handled the power-ups uh because the same power-ups that are common for multiplayer uh, you can just switch between them at any time and aka you are always going to use the grappling hook uh yeah mostly <laughs> mostly that's the, the grappling i think hook. Uh, a lot, a lot of people think the campaign is awesome i think they're just blinded by the grappling hook the grappling hook is so fun <laughs> The grappling hook looks amazing. That's the thing that like, I just shit from risk of like this yeah, grappling. It is, it is like, really fun. Yeah, honestly, I love the grappling hook. Um, and one of the things that actually is fun about the open world aspect of the game is that you can just explore this big ass uh, space with a grappling hook. That's really fun. Uh, and there's a bunch of mountains. Do the mountains really make sense? No. Are the mountains extremely fun to climb with a grappling hook? Hook? Absolutely. <laughs> nice. Yeah, and so, like, yeah, like, I think that the campaign is fun mechanically. And also, um, like, some of the, the fact that you have these power-ups available, it does mean that you're a bit overpowered, but there are a lot of sections that are kind of designed around that. How do they handle fall damage? Like, there is no fall damage. Uh, in fact, there was... Uh, 
one section where there's a massive elevator that takes probably 20 seconds, 30 seconds to go from the bottom to the top. And you can drive vehicles on it if you want to bring vehicles up and down this elevator. But you can also just jump off and fall to the bottom. It's frankly, it's kind of odd. But yeah, yeah, they just have fall damage in Halo. Yeah, there's no fall damage. I remember, I I think it might have been Reach where there was an achievement in this specific level for jumping off this really really tall thing and assassinating an elite to get get around fall damage. Oh yeah, like because yeah. you if you do if you if you time it right you'll get into the animation. Obviously, animations they take priority over everything. So. <laughs> yeah, one one thing I did here uh, is that I don't know. I've been playing the campaign on heroic. And so I think if I were to play it on normal, it would definitely be too easy. Um, well, heroic is the way the game was meant to be played. <laughs> That's what it always says in the uh, difficulty selection for Halo. So. Yeah. And uh, I've found that, like, yeah, for me, someone who's, like, familiar with FPS games, that heroic is, like, it's good. I don't die that often. Um, there's been, like, a few sections where I've I've had to really think about it. That's the thing, like, the, the thing about Halo is that Halo's always had a linear a linear campaign, but any individual encounter can be handled a variety of ways, depending on what weapons you have. And that's where the interest comes in the Halo campaign, is that yeah. depending on what approach you take with the weapons you have, it's a different experience in each yeah. section. People often refer to Halo encounters as combat puzzles. Yeah, and there's definitely a lot of... A lot of the story missions uh, still have that kind of feel. Okay, that's good. Uh, yeah, like, that's the thing. Like, the Halo Infinite campaign basically feels like a regular Halo campaign, except where an older Halo game would have had a cutscene that just shows you getting into a transport and then showing up somewhere else. Now you have to go to the other place on your own. <laughs> on an open world. Oh, goody. Like, that's basically what it is. And it's like, I just don't know if that really... It's fun sometimes, and other times I feel like it doesn't really support. It doesn't support the narrative at all. It has some fun parts about it, uh, but it's yeah, it's kind of strange, and it's and it's really strange to just be walking around this open world and then encountering random grunts. It's like, why is this grunt alone, on his own, <laughs> in the middle of a forest, where there are no alien structures? It doesn't make sense. So yeah, I mean, I, I'm having fun with it. But it's definitely not my favorite Halo campaign by a long right. shot. Right. Okay. I'll have to try that. Yeah, and I think like hopefully, <laughs> I I I'm almost tempted to say that like I might have had I might have more fun with it if I just ignored all of the side quests and only focused on the story missions. Yeah, because like that's I heard a really good uh, point about the older Halo campaigns is that the older Halo campaigns were a sequence of thirty second fun. Where here's a 30 second fun piece of thing. Okay, you done that. Now here's another 30 second fun piece of thing. You're going from encounter to driving sequence to another encounter to you know a big set piece, and they're they they were super duper tight. And obviously, you had an open world. You can't have that anymore. Yeah, that's the other thing. A lot of open world games have RPG mechanics, and there's an element of grinding that's necessary uh, in order to level up. This is a first person shooter. There is no grinding, not really. Uh, you you do have a bit of an upgrade system where you can upgrade your uh, uh, use abilities, like you can upgrade the grappling hook and the shield and stuff like that. And the upgrades are cool, but they don't like they don't really make you that much more powerful. So they're completely unnecessary if you're any good at the game. Mm -hmm. And I would say that. Um, yeah, I, I probably would have more fun if I just disregarded all of the weird side quest exploration stuff because it, it doesn't really make sense in the narrative and you don't need to grind to make your character stronger. Campaign junk food. <laughs> I have one more question about the campaign. It's the most important question about any Halo game. It's the thing that everybody cares the most about. How's the story? <laughs> it's, it's fine. <laughs> um... <laughs> Uh, yeah, like it, it's it's there. It's there. <laughs> it's not awful. It's not great, but 
I, it's, it, it, it's some ugly. <laughs> I, I've, I've heard, you know, some people say exactly your sentiments like it was there. Some people I've heard didn't like, cause apparently they just kind of didn't wrap up the threads that were left over from Halo 5 or something like that. Like I said, I haven't finished it. But neither and I played Halo 5. Also, yeah, I haven't finished it and I also didn't play Halo 5. So I, I don't know. It Honestly, the campaign feels pretty self-contained. It pretty much opens... Like, it pretty much opens with... like Because there, there's this group... There's basically a subset of the Covenant called the Banished. Uh, they are, as you might guess, outcasts from the Covenant. Basically. Mm-hmm. And they are uh, at the beginning of the game. Basically, it just shows that what I presume is the ending of a previous game. Uh, but it pretty much shows it pretty much it, it pretty much shows a setup, and then you're basically just following from that. Uh, and then there's some other bullshit uh, with other aliens that get involved partway through because it's a Halo game, and that always happens. But, um, yeah, I haven't finished it. It's fine. It's not... Like, I've enjoyed some of the prior Halo game campaign stories a bit more. Especially the first one, which I think is actually good. Um, Like, the writing in the first game isn't always the best, but the actual, like, structure of the story is very satisfying. Um, The structure of this story is fairly predictable so far especially since some of like it tries to introduce twists but they're very reminiscent of the twists in older halo campaigns (laughs) Uh, time is a flat circle (laughs) everything repeats itself yeah goes around the ring yeah yeah so like it's it is what it is i like i i don't know the core the core thing of the halo campaign though where they have like interesting combat puzzle style combat is it is still there it's a little bit more spread out uh and you know there's a bunch of other side quest exploration find find the stuff bullshit um but but the core of halo is still there so i don't know whether whether the additional new things that have been added I, I imagine some people will really enjoy them, and other people like me are kind of like, eh. Could have used without. Could have used without. Um, but something it's I've, still Halo. It's still Halo. Something I've talked about in the past with open world games, though, is if your open world game is not fun to traverse the map, that it's a bad open world game. And it is fun to traverse the map. Okay. Because because Halo vehicle physics are a thing to, are a sight to behold. Because hey yeah, Halo vehicle physics are are they're very unique and uh, <laughs> a lot of a lot of silly very diplomatic of you. A lot a lot of silly a lot of silliness happens uh, with the vehicles and that's kind of fun. And then the grappling hook's really fun to traverse the map with as well. So traversal of the of the overworld is fun. And if you are trying to cross a long distance, it has fast travel to get rid of tedium. At least in areas you've already visited, of course. So, like, as an open world game, I think it's it's good. Like, it, it fulfills the things I want from an open world game. Although I'm just... There's a lot of open world games that I'm just not that into. Because fundamentally, I think it's not my favorite way of setting up, especially a single player story. And if you're trying to make a story-driven campaign, it open world is probably not the best choice. It's kind of the worst choice. Yeah. Like, I've seen... I've seen roguelikes with better stories than open world games. Yeah, that's the that thing. shouldn't happen. Yeah, that's the thing. Like uh, a lot of the popular open world games, people enjoy them without being story driven. But this is really trying to be story driven, and but there's no real reason to go loot various sections of the map, right? Like looting stuff doesn't matter. Yeah. So and leveling leveling up doesn't matter. So why am I exploring all this shit? It's just to increase the numbers of it's, it's things almost, I've found. It's almost like somebody decided this is a trend that people like a lot and we should do it. I yeah. didn't think of the consequences. <laughs> yeah. Also, the pop-in's terrible. Um, oh, yeah. The, gra- the graphical pop-in is uh, the worst I have ever seen in any game, ever. That It's really bad. I don't know why it's so bad. Sometimes this game looks worse than Halo 1. <laughs> Yeah, I've seen. You've shown me some screenshots that were 
rough. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, just, I absolutely, uh, but you know what? That's, that's one of those things that the symptom of the development hell. This game started being made when open world was very hot and trending mm-hmm. and then it got stuck in development hell for quite a while and it does show in some aspects of the game yeah. Yeah, something so. something we didn't really mention uh when we talked about the infinite multiplayer uh but is present in both the multiplayer and the campaign is that when you die the ragdolls are hilarious oh yeah yeah um partly that's because the physics engine in this game has problems with collision and (laughs) yeah and uh but with the ragdolls uh that those collision errors uh impart lots of weird force to the ragdoll and it results in some very funny ragdoll deaths so a a lot of ragdolls getting stuck in geometry and not knowing what to do yeah there's also a lot of geometry that the collision engine doesn't handle in its full like rendered geometry so stairs for example uh, the ragdoll just slides downstairs, which is very <laughs> odd looking, but it's yeah. kind of funny. Yeah. So whatever. And it does the same. Actually, uh, sometimes you get silly ragdolls on enemies as well, which in the campaign, you're popping a lot more enemies than you would in multiplayer. And so you see silly uh, covenant ragdolls sometimes too. Nice. That's, that's Halo. That's Halo. Yep. Ex- expect a video in the, in the future on our YouTube channel or we'll go over our thoughts on a particular map in this game. Yeah, there's a particular map that we we have some opinions about. Yeah, and you know what? Let us know what games you're playing, because, hey, uh, we've got an email address, at angrysunzone at outlook.com. We've got a Twitter, at angrysunzone. We've got a YouTube channel with some videos, angrysunzone. Pretty much everything's just angrysunzone. Yeah, that's and we're angry on zone on Twitch as well. Oh yeah, Twitch too. I've been streaming some Monster Rancher. Uh, probably gonna continue with that for a few more streams at least. But I definitely want to try setting up a schedule and just like saying, okay, every Tuesday, for example, I'm gonna be streaming from this time and go from there. Likewise, I might be streaming a little Noida. <laughs> <laughs> nice, oh, man. Nice. Uh, yeah, you've done a couple Noida streams, and it's really fun because the viewers can uh, basically just troll you. Yep. By if, if you've ever wanted to, <clears throat> If you've ever wanted to receive more power than you've ever had before, uh, join one of my Noida streams, and you'll be able to inflict uh, good or bad things upon me as I play. Everything from nukes randomly dropping onto my screen to uh, treasure boxes to uh, every enemy and the screen gets upgraded to uh, <laughs> making me want to throw my keyboard across the screen. <laughs> Alright, well, uh, I think that's it then. Yeah. Happy holidays to everybody out there. Stay safe, stay sane. And we'll see. And stay game. Stay, stay, stay game. <laughs> Merry Christmas everyone.